1: After Julie Engster won her third consecutive United States Amateur Golf Championship in 1982, the Sports Illustrated correspondent, On Hand, wrote these words about golf's rising young star. Julie Engster is only 22 years old and looks as if she could keep rolling along forever, relentlessly, year after year after year. Now back to 95.7 The Game.
0: And with that... As we welcome you back to the 2 o'clock hour, it is Jason Dumas and Dan DeVone. Let's bring her in. Julie Engster. By the way, Julie, you know, that was a nice little intro. Do you know what the music that was playing in the background, do you have any idea who the artist of the music was in that, that VO that we just that we just played? I have no idea. Justin Bieber. So you should feel even doubly proud.
2: Oh, my God. I love the Bee.
0: <laughs> we love you. As a matter of fact, we're talking to Julie Engster. Member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, 31 LPGA Tour, wins seven major championships, including two U.S. Opens. But more importantly, from Santa Cruz, she's local, San Jose State. And while we'll talk golf, she can get into the Niners. She will roll up her sleeves and talk Giants. She'll get in the dirt, Jason Dumas, and go toe-to-toe with you. I guarantee if you want to talk Golden State Warriors (laughs) with Julie Inkster. But, Julie, we'll start with a little golf. Talk to me about St. Andrews and Tiger Woods. Were you emotional? Will he ever play this again?
2: You know, I I don't ever put anything past him, but um, just kind of reading between the lines, I think maybe that would be his last one. Um, You know, I think right now where he is in his life is, you know, he's, I think, very um, fortunate and and very humble to be where he's at. Um, Just to be able to play golf and be able to play golf with his son, Charlie, and be able to watch his daughter Sammy plays soccer um I hope we don't I hope that's not the last we see of him you know he's going to play some majors and stuff but it's really hard to compete when you play three or four times a year I mean these guys are just so good and I know the guys love having him out there but I just can't see Tiger just going out there um and just you know playing for the good of the game um I know he was very disappointed in his um his game this week but you know when you don't play the first thing that goes is your short game and you know he was not good on the greens uh, his chipping was not good uh, and he knows that those greens by the back of his hand so uh hopefully it's not his last um because what he's done for the game he's changed the game of golf you know he's made games of golf that athletes want to play you know that they don't want to go into baseball or football or lacrosse. They want to go out and and be an athlete and play golf, and that's why you're seeing
0: 375-yard drives. Julie, I was just going to follow up, and you sort of answered my question, but you want to major at age 42. Baseball, football, and basketball, it's pretty apparent when somebody's slowing down. What is it for you? What's the first omen? What's the first sign for you, aside from the short game, that you know that father time's creeping up on you?
2: Uh, Focus. Definitely um, being able to focus for 18 holes. Um, you know, I was always never the best at you know driving or putting or chipping, but I was a grinder and I could grind for 72 holes. And I knew when I wasn't grinding that I knew that um, you know I needed to take a step back. And uh, you know I still really enjoy the game. I still love competing, love playing, but I just couldn't do it. You know,
1: day in and day out again. I was just tired. This is Julie Inkster, Santa Cruz legend, LPGA legend as well. Julie, question for you. It's going to happen at some point. Some One of these guys who went over to live is going to win a major. You see DJ, he is... In the hunt right now, uh, I noticed they didn't show Phil Mickelson walking over that bridge. They act, opted to show Tiger again. So you can already kind of see the PGA. They're tr- they're trying to kind of sidestep some of those live guys. What's going to happen when one of these live guys wins a major, like possibly DJ in the open? I know he's a couple strokes back, but it's still possible.
2: Yeah, um, well, at St. Andrews, in the history of St. Andrews, no one has ever come back from four strokes back to win. So he's a little bit back. I don't think he's going to win. But, um, and you know what? I, I'm not sure one of these guys are going to win. Um, you know, it's just when you get a guaranteed contract, uh, where's your incentive to work? I mean, I think that's why you see a lot of baseball players or basketball players in their last year of their contract, they turn it on, and, you know, they they have a great year. It's like when you're getting $200 million and you make a quad or you make a double, it doesn't matter. You know, you you still get paid. You know, in golf, if you make a quad or a double and you miss a cut, you don't get anything. So, um, plus, you know, the LIV Tour is... Playing three rounds, not four rounds. So your mental sharpness um, might go away a little bit, also. Um, it's a shotgun start. So, I mean, most of these golf courses, the last four or five holes are the toughest golf course, uh, toughest on the golf course. So if you're finishing around four, five, and six that are the easiest on the golf course, I mean, that makes a big difference. So I, I think there's a lot of things into this that. I'm not sure, you know, I don't know who else is going to go. I mean, that's the big question. Is Matsuyama going to go? Um, you know, if he goes, um, I think that's the next rumbling I've heard. But um, I'm not sure these guys will have enough um, reps and enough um, tournament, um, real tournament conditions to win a major.
1: That's interesting. So it sounds to me like, and obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. You're not really a fan of some of these guys jumping ship.
2: I'm not a fan at all, Um, and that's what I think so impressive about what Rory's doing this week. And you can tell by the crowd that they're all behind him. You know, he's kind of become the PGA spokesperson of you know why it's not right and and why these guys defected, and um, for him to really have all that on his shoulders and also go out play some three rounds of amazing golf. I think everybody's rooting for him because of what he's had to go through these last two months. I mean, these guys have made a ton of money on the PGA Tour. Not, not just money, but endorsements. The retirement plan is amazing. Um, you know, the PGA has built their brand. Yes, they have also helped the PGA. There's no doubt about that. It works both ways. But for them to turn their back on the PGA – um i don't know i just um i just think there's got to be a little bit of give and take a little bit of loyalty of what has made you
0: we're talking of course the one and only julie Inkster. julie you know to that point is there any sort of accountability on the part of the pga well clearly you know live is is not something that a lot of people want to support but does there become a point in all this if you were just to remove live where the PGA maybe needs to hold a mirror up to themselves and say, well, why are so many of the players? Why are we here? Yeah, why, how did we get here, and why are the players wanting to, to opt for something that they feel is better?
2: Well, because you're getting paid guaranteed money. I mean, out on the PGA Tour, you don't have any guarantees. Um, you know, everybody starts at zero come the next year. Um, yeah, I'm probably sure there's some things the PGA could do as far as um, scheduling um, you know, a lot of these guys they they have they're playing too much and they they're away from their families. Well, all you have to do is play fifteen tournaments, but you still have to keep your card in those fifteen tournaments, which is really hard to do. So you do have to play probably twenty five tournaments a year. So you're say you work in half a year and you get the other half off, and you're making you know seventy eight million dollars. I think a lot of people that are listening right now would take that in a heartbeat. But, you know, the reason why these guys are leaving is a lot of them are, you know, say Brooks Koepka, you know, his body's just not holding up, you know, DJ, he's kind of, he's still in there, but he's kind of a little bit past his prime. Taylor Gooch. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're not going to win out there. And so if they can set themselves up for life, um and you know play eight tournaments this year and 14 next year um that's what they're doing and um to me it's a it's a cop out i mean it's it's like um don't you want the feeling of winning a major don't you want the feeling of um knowing that you put the hard work in um and you're going to win this tournament you're going to be number 1 um i don't know i just i just maybe i'm old school um, but that's kind of how I was raised that, you know, you get what you what you put in is you get what out of it. So that's just kind of how I feel.
1: Now, Julie, you mentioned no one's come back at St. Andrews from a uh, four-stroke deficit going into the final round of the Open. You got Rory Victor at the top of the leaderboard. How do you see that playing out?
2: Well, I, th- I think both of those guys play very similar games. Um, they're both – Great ball strikers. Uh, if anything, probably, um, especially uh, Victor Hovland, his short game's probably not up to par as, as the top players are, but you can cut around those greens. Um, so I think that's a comfortable pairing for both of them. They both played on the Ryder Cup together. You know, they're friends. Uh, and then you got the Cam, the Camerons behind them, Cam Smith and Cameron Young. Cam Smith, um, you know, he won the players this year. He's an amazing putter, uh, and he had probably one of his worst putting rounds um, in a long time. If anybody I think can put the heat on him, it's probably Cam Smith. He could come out there, you know, he's going to have to shoot low. He's going to probably have to shoot, you know, 64, 65 um, to really give himself a chance because I, I can't see Rory and Rory and Victor both moving back. Um, so it might come the back nine, get into like a little match play between Rory and Victor. But, uh, you know, that's the that's the beauty of golf. We can talk all day long about what's going to happen. No one knows. And um, they are going to get some rain tonight. So the greens are going to be a little softer. So uh, it might play a little bit different. But um, saw some incredible golf today, that's for sure.
1: Julie, probably the most serious question I'm going to ask you all day. Why why can't I hit the ball straight?
2: Well, it's, it's a thing <laughs> called talent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> Walks right into that one. But don't mess with Julie. Yeah,
2: yeah. thanks for the softball. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> so, Julie, I'll tell you what. Let's just stay on that note for a second. But listen, I play some golf. I play to all the major sports. There's not a bigger mind, you know what, F, than that of golf, right? Like if someone's throwing me a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and I swing and miss it, I'll tip my hat to the pitcher and say, all right, man, that was good stuff. That thing is just sitting there laughing at me. <laughs> how much of the sport is physical? and Put a percentage on it if you want. How much of it is physical and how much of it is between your ears?
2: Well, I would say between your ears is probably, especially when you get into professional tournament golf, Um, probably 90%. You know, all those guys can hit the ball. All the women can hit the ball. It's, you know, it's what you got, you know, do you want it? You know, the heart. Um, You want to, you know, it's just like in basketball. You know, do you want the ball at the end of the game? Um, But golf is, I mean, you look at how many retired athletes take up the game of golf because it's just so hard. And they, they need that. Um, competition, they need that something to, to make them go out and grind every day when they retire. And, you know, you look at Steph, um, you know, before the uh, Tahoe tournament, I was practicing at uh, Siebel in, in Stanford, and Steph was out there four days in a row just grinding, hitting balls, hitting balls, hitting balls. Uh, so it's a game you can never, I mean, if you have a great year, you win maybe two two times a year. Maybe three. So you're losing a lot. And so that's why golf is, makes everybody just crazy because you can never conquer it.
1: You mentioned Steph Curry, and a great segue. Uh, he's a golf fanatic, obviously, plays the game so much. He's been in Tahoe the past couple of weeks playing. One thing Steph has done, and he's kind of made made it his mission, is to make golf more accessible to a lot of different communities in our society that – having traditionally had that type of access to the sport. How do you think the PGA and just, you know, the people at the top of this sport of golf in general have come along to make it a little more accessible to people who don't traditionally have the access to country clubs, equipment, and all of that stuff to really develop skills? That's a good
2: question. I mean, you know, we have first tee, we have, you know, junior golf, um, you know the thing is, it's it's hard. I mean, even myself. I mean, I didn't grow up at a country club. Um, you know, I got a I got a job at the golf course, and that's kind of how I started playing. Um, so, I mean, it you got to be um, introduced to the game, and the way you get introduced to the game is going to the junior clinics, going to first tee. Um, you know, Steph has done an amazing job not only with golf, just with the community and uh what he does with his foundation um you know and i love to see that because you know he really doesn't have to do anything but his heart is in the right place um trying to grow the game so um i would i i think we're getting more and more diversity in golf which is great especially on the lpj tour uh but the only way you can do it is just by you know getting them acclimated to the game of golf at an early age
0: Julie Inkster is our guest, and Julie, again, not that all things are about me, but they are, is, you know, as long as i got this live mic here. When it comes to my game, I, I don't do this when I'm playing hoops or baseball or tennis, what have you, but I find that if it's the middle of the afternoon, I'm going to cart, it's a nice day, I'm going to have a cocktail, I'm going to throw a few down, <laughs> because it it seriously takes the edge off. And because I have a tendency to overthink that sport more than anything else. Now, when you play, are you all in? Because I know how competitive you are. But would you ever, if you were to play, I don't know, later this afternoon, would you grab one in the car? Do you just all business?
2: Oh, so I'm going to go play a late nine. Um, and uh, I won't grab a cocktail when I'm playing, but I will we'll grab one at five o'clock. <laughs> um, but um, I'm. I think the greatest thing about golf is, I could go out and play with you and we could have a great match. And it's all about the banter, you know, being able to, you know, get inside somebody's head or, um, you know, just having um, a good, a good laugh. Um, So I I think that's the beauty of the golf. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go out and play tennis with Chris Everett or Serena, you know, but I can go out and play uh, golf with anybody no matter what their handicap is, and we could have a great game. Um and that brings everybody together.
0: Yeah, you say that, but I played with some professional golfers, man. And let me tell you what it's like, Jason. It's a par five. They're on and they're on in two or three, and then they're putting for par, they're putting for birdie. That's how they play. Meanwhile, you know, you and I are chasing our stuff and, <laughs> and they're waiting on us. I mean, I I do like hear what you say, man, but you guys are so good. It's like a whole other sport to you people.
2: Well, I, that's because we've done it forever. Um, you know, I could do your sport. Um, I could probably talk about it, but I couldn't do it. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it, but look at you, you. You say you're not any good. You're probably pretty good. But you still go out there and play because you want to get better. And, and, you know, I'm going to go out and play because I want to get better. So, you know, everybody is always trying to get better. And, uh, you know, at, at baseball – you know, it's kind of more routine, 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 routine. You know, golf, you know, the whole locations change every day. You know, the wind changes every day. Um, you know, you can play different teams. They have different club selection. So um, it's just a game with a lot of different moving parts.
0: Julie Inkster, our guest. Julie, before we let you go, your thoughts on Kevin Durant coming potentially back to the Golden State Warriors. Would you pull that trigger on a trade? No way. Why is that?
2: Because that? <laughs> I don't want to give up any of our good young players. Um, you know, I think right now we're in a spot where we got um, we got the mixture of veteran players and younger players. And, you know, you're not going to play Steph and Clay and Draymond, you know, 82 games. So, um, you know, these young players can come out there and play and play and play and get, get their reps in and, and then come playoff time, you know, you get Steph and Clay back in their full full horse, so I don't know. I just think we got a lot of good young players that you know. Steve Kerr seems like he's and his staff are able to bring these guys along and improve them. So um, I like where we're at right now.
0: And I think you're going PC, so I'm going to speak for you. Kevin Durant's just a he's a he's a headache. He's a pain in the he's a pain in the butt. Like no, you don't want to we don't need that coconut in town. <laughs> Here's the other thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you going to say, Julia? So-
2: no, know I, I I was going to agree with you on that. I, said, I think their chemistry right now has probably never been better. Why mess with it?
0: I so, agree. Let's get uh, – I'm sorry because I know you can go down these roads. Did you happen to see the Giants last night in the walk-off by Yastrzemski?
2: You know, he's starting to come around. He's starting to get hot. Um, you know, and I, I have to say I'm impressed with Joey Bart. You know, he could have, you know, put his head between his, his legs and kind of – Sauntered off, but uh, he started to get some better swings. Um, so hopefully we can kind of put the lineup together and keep moving him around. But uh, it's it's been tough, it's been tough to watch.
0: Are years. you? And the last one, are you? Are you a Trey Lance? Jimmy, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo got done wrong here? Or are you all in on Trey Lance?
2: Well, I'm kind of. I, I, I wish we could kind of keep um, Garoppolo. I you know. I'm a little worried about Trey Lance's pocket passing, but uh, you know, I'm a little worried about him running, taking off, and getting hurt. Uh, but uh, I guess with the cap space and everything, we can't keep him. But um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to find out. Sanahan must know what he's doing because, you know, you don't trade up for someone that you don't think can be your number one starting quarterback.
0: See, Julie, you and I can never do a show together because we agree on everything. Like, we need friction. Uh-huh. You know, it's got to be good, good cop, bad cop. You guys are traditionalists. You <laughs> love it. We're, we're, what does is, what is Draymond call us? We're old media. Yeah, yeah. We're old media. <laughs> we're not new media. Yeah, hey, Julie, but yeah. in all seriousness, we got to we gotta let you go. But the next time we bring you on, and there will be a next time if you're available, because I was talking to my producer. I'm like, yeah, we'll get us some golf. But do you mind if we just do minimal golf and go straight into Warriors? Because that's, listen, as much as we like, golf our audience wants we are the flagship station for the warriors would you mind if we did the the majority of the conversation talking warriors and niners you okay with that oh yeah i'm all in hell yes julie angster thank you you, julie we will we will talk to you soon that is one of our favorites julie angster joining us here on 95 7 the game i know you want to get into kevin durant talk we'll do that coming up on the other side, we got another minute before the break, but where are you at with Kevin Durant? You want to see him in town. I know you do. No, not at all. Really? I, uh, I don't, Come
1: on. I don't think they should give up uh, all they would have to give up to bring him back. You just won a championship without him. I mean, obviously, he would probably make life easier for the Stars, and if they brought him back in, would they be the favorites to win again? I'm sure they would. But I don't know. Just the way that they won this past championship, I feel like probably tasted better Than any championship they won with Kevin Durant. And they all basically said that. So I I don't know. Like Julie said, I agree with her. I don't think the chemistry has been any better than it has been the past couple of uh, this this past season. And I think these guys complement each other. Uh, There's probably less of a margin for error with this roster as opposed to bringing in a Kevin Durant. But I don't know. I just I wouldn't mess with it. I don't think it's the time now. If they bring Kevin Durant in, am I going to be like, oh, the Warriors are idiots? No, I wouldn't. But that's just my two cents.
0: Can I give you a story idea, either for Kylan and or yourself? Yeah, this is what you do. Grab your tripod or see. I never shot my own stuff, so <laughs> go get your cameraman. We used to have three sports photogs. Can you believe that? Oh, What a what a. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you go days, get a
0: those days are long. Yeah, right? You go get a photog. You say, Julie Inkster, we're coming out to your pad out in Santa Cruz. You just sit outside with her, turn on that camera, let her talk about golf and live, and then get into the 49ers. That'll be one of the most compelling interviews you will do here in the Bay Area. Now, I need her to teach me how to hit it straight. <laughs> I, I, I'm <laughs> not going, going with together. that more
1: talent. I, I need some lessons, Julie.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but that was beautiful. Her first answer was, well, you got talent. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue here on 95.7 The Game. And on the other side, I'm sorry, man, but it, it just won't go away. KD coming to the Warriors? Huh? It's my man Jason Dumas and Dan Abone with much more on 95.7 The Game Next.
2: Oh my God, I love the beat.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh.
0: Now back to 957. The game got some Bieber fever. I am comfortable enough to admit to everybody that I am, I am down with some Justin Bieber, bro. I went
1: to a Justin Bieber concert earlier
0: this year. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I was, I went to the
1: <laughs> Justin Bieber. So listen. I was supposed to go years ago, uh, but then the concert got canceled because of the pandemic. So you could either get your money back or just save for a later date. And it was supposed to be at Levi's stadium, like two and a half, three years later, they hit us up. Like he's going to be in Sacramento. Do you want to go? We have tickets for you because of obviously what happened a few years ago, getting canceled. I was like, why not? Went out to the golden one center and sack Saw Bieber, Probably the oldest guy there is a bunch of 13- to 15-year-old girls crying during every song. Come on, kids. But in all seriousness, candy. very ta- very talented guy. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> nice, nice Chuck drop. Is that Chuck's contribution <laughs> to the show, Sterling? Thank you very much. He's a apparently a baller somewhat. Apparently, he likes to play a little ball. Oh, yeah. I've
1: seen, you know, he plays in those celebrity games yeah. during All-Star Weekend and stuff. He, He's got some game. Eh, he stinks, but it's fun. <laughs> It's fun to watch. Him.
0: No, there's a video where he dealt on Steve Nash once. And Steve Nash said, oh, no, let's let's keep playing. And then de- <laughs> Destroyed just him. took him to town. Yeah. All right, I wanted to talk about Las Vegas. When would you get back? Uh, I got back
1: on third. It was a long day. I, I touched down back in the Bay Thursday around like 30, and I was at Kron by like 3.30 for for a eight-hour shift. Oh,
0: but, hey, you know, it's the life I chose. So, so talk to me. James Weissman. A lot of conjecture about the young man. I certainly have my thoughts on him. I'm a big James Weissman supporter, big fan. Defended this guy from day one. Uh, before I launch into how I think he's playing out there in the summer league, what did you – you saw him up close and personal. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, I saw him during that game where he only had two rebounds. Um, and I know some guys on our air, I think – who was it? A rat? Somebody Somebody got Damon. on him. Damon got on him for that. When he, you know, got, it got Draymond Green's attention. Uh, even though it seemed like Draymond and, and, and Damon were saying essentially the same thing, but I think Draymond was kind of sticking up for his young teammate too, which you would expect from a guy like Draymond. But I kind of agree with the sentiment that you know can't be seven can't be seven one and play twenty five minutes or whatever however minutes he had and only have two rebounds. Um, I get what Draymond said a lot about rebounding isn't just about being big. You gotta have the timing and all that stuff, which he might not have yet. But still, you know, you want to see him start coming around. Um, I don't think we've seen that yet. Has he been, like, terrible or anything? No. Mm, I'm not saying that. But would you like to see some a little more from a guy of his stature, a guy um, who was drafted this high and a guy who's coming back from injury? And when you see some of these other young guys, Keegan Murray, Chet Holmgren, and and those guys – Really excelling on out there on the summer league stage, you know, might be a little more more than desired from my my point of view. Um, but Vegas as a whole, it, it, was, it was an awesome experience. That was my first summer league uh, experience. Where are you with Chad Holmgren? Uh, he's going to be a stud, really. Yeah, I think he's going to be a stud. I think he he's too competitive not to be. Uh, and a lot of people like to point to his his stature. He's so skinny, but you know, first of all, the NBA is not going to let him get beat up. They're just not. He's going to get protected to a degree. Uh, and even at his stature, he's already a great rim protector. He changes shots. He blocks shots. He's he's not afraid to get physical, you know, despite his stature. He's not soft. So, I, you know, I think... I think he's going to be a really good player. I really do. Wow, I just think the dude is too skinny, man. <laughs>
0: I really do. No, I know that sounds. I mean, that's a pretty popular opinion. I know. I, and I should, you know, pull back some layers and give you some depth, but I can't get past that, man. I'm trying to th- That dude is so wiry thin, man. I don't And you say he's, you know, he can rim protect. I just Listen, if Kenneth Lofton Jr. is like botting you around, that I That dude I just... is good, though. No, he is. I like Kenny Lofton Jr. He is good. He he's He's a big boy, but I'm just saying, man. If that guy's going to have his way with you, and he he comes up to you know your hip pocket, then I I just don't know how he's going to fare in the NBA. When he's talking about getting down to the paint, now he's got no, he's got handles, he's got a sweet release, but at some point you got to go live and get your feet dirty, as they like to say in the paint. And I don't know how he does that.
1: I saw Kenny Lofton Jr. in the uh, uh, sitting down eating in Aria in Vegas, and I saw him walk by me, and I called him out and I told him, I was like, bro, I love your game. You know, people are saying you're not in the best shape and you can't do this. Don't listen to any of them. Keep going. And he seemed so appreciative of that. But I, I honestly believe that. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. And it's funny he landed in Memphis because they had a player of his same stature and size dominate the league for 10 years in Zach Randolph. Mm. So uh, I'm, I'm rooting for him. As for some of the young dubs, uh you know, I, I got to sit down and chat with Moses and Moody's parents for a while. They're great people. Uh I, you know, I had met. Them. Where's Moody from? Arkansas, Little Rock. Oh, that's right. That's Little Rock, right. Arkansas. Uh And I had met his mom uh during the season, but I got to meet his dad. And, you know, obviously they're just so proud of their baby boy and all he's accomplished. And, uh. Got to chat with PBJ. We stood; <laughs> he was standing behind me in the line of Starbucks after I got uh got out the gym one morning. That's just how Summer League is. It's nuts. The type of access you have people just by, around, by yeah. accident. Uh, I talked to so many people. I saw Gary Payton II. We were talking about how fun this series season was, and he's excited for Portland. He was in he was in one of the clubs with his dad, and we got this. They chatted up. <laughs> they were having fun, man. He's a he. He is like. He is going to be a Bay Area favorite no matter who he plays for for the rest of his career. He just... He identifies so much with this fan base in the culture of the Bay Area. Right? Um, what were he and his dad doing at the club? Were they hanging out together? Oh, you know, it, it was a bunch of them. It, it, oh, okay. you know, it was okay. about six of them. Uh, they had and, like a booth, a and, drink and, service. And, uh, not even. They didn't even have a booth or none of that. They were just kind of mingling with people. But like, what club was this, by the way? It, I forget. It was, it was in Aria. I shouldn't say it was a nightclub. It was more like a lounge. Oh, okay. Um, Indigo, I think it was, oh, was uh, or something that. like that. Uh, it's in the in Aria, and but. You know, you had Brian Shaw in there. You had Ty Liu in there. Uh, Derek Fisher was in there. Some of the guys from the Warrior staff were in there, and everybody was just, you know, it's summer, summer league. Everybody was just having a good time, and it was cool to kind of, it's cool to see see them in that light when you're not working. You know, we got to have nice off air conversations. And how's your family? How what, what are you doing this summer? What's next for you? Just just casual conversation that you would never have in a work environment probably, uh, which is cool. And I've never, and I think I personally have pretty good access with most of these guys over the past couple of years, but I've never had that type of access in that type of a relaxed environment. So I've kind of made it a point after that first summer league. Now I'm like, I got to get to summer league every summer for at least two to three nights. It's it's a really cool experience and atmosphere.
0: No, no, it's, it's, I've been, I've been, it is, it's, It's, you know, if you're, especially for someone like yourself, and the accessibility is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like back in the day when they used to have the Pro Bowl in Hawaii, I used to tell people if you're a football fanatic, go out to the Pro Bowl when it was in Hawaii, because it's the same thing. They're all, they used to roll around, used to be, I think they are at the Hilton, Hawaii, and they were just poolside, they're just, you know, chatting up, they're on the beach, they're walking around local ABC stores, and you can just get into conversations that you would otherwise never, you know. If there's a camera and there's a mic, then it's a completely different format. Right. Now, you've been asking me, what do you, you know, what have you seen from Wiseman
1: since he's come back from that injury?
0: He looks like he's frozen in time. It's It looks as though he's the same cat that I saw two years ago. Mm-hmm. He looks as, and understandably, he just looks like he hasn't played any basketball because he hasn't. And they, the timing is clear. The one thing that I think the timing will come. I think a lot of this is just a matter of reps and playing basketball. He needs to do that and do it constantly. But the one thing that just, I wouldn't say scares me, but if I had a higher level of concern, it's sort of the athleticism. And I don't mean the athleticism of the ability to, to put it on the floor, shoot a jump shot for a guy that big. No. I'm just talking about the fundamentals of of his hands, of some of the dexterity around the basket. Sometimes he just looks a little sloppy. Sometimes he just looks as though he's not necessarily comfortable in his own skin. And, you know, I remember DeAndre Ayton at Arizona and in the summer league. While well, you could still see how raw he was, but you could see that the guy had hands. You could see he was just solid in his base. He could just pull rebounds down at the apex. I mean, he was, you know, he needed, obviously, to, to learn to play at the NBA level. But there's, just a, there's something very raw with more of a capital R when it comes to that of James Weissman. Here's the other thing. And tell me if you agree with this. He he doesn't I, I always classify people when I was growing up, kids in sports, you either like contact or you don't like contact. And I'm not sure where he's at because he's so big and so strong, and he could be so dominant. I see him catch down low sometimes, and I would love to see him power dribble and initiate contact.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't seem to enjoy that. He doesn't seem as though he's comfortable. Going a little, let me dip on you and initiate some contact. Contact to create some space. He he doesn't seem as though that's that's something he's he's very familiar with and or enjoys. Right? It's funny. I, I asked James Wiseman.
1: This was probably about a week before summer league. I asked him, "What? How do you deal with criticism? You know, because you have a lot of it. Obviously, you have guys like Draymond who." who, like, thrive for it. He'll he'll look at his Twitter, he'll he'll like stuff, he'll retweet stuff, he'll hold it in his memory, and then when he proves them wrong, he'll call them out. And then you have guys who just completely shut down, delete Twitter off their phone, ignore it. Like, that's like a Klay Thompson. Clay says he doesn't even look at that stuff, especially playoffs. He, like, deletes social media. And Wiseman was like, yeah, I'm, I'm more like Klay in that right and I asked him that because he just seems extremely impressionable and, and, and sensitive. It, it, you know, it does. And that's not even necessarily a critique for me. I'm not criticizing him for being sensitive because everybody is different. I've read stuff about myself on Twitter that's kind of gotten under my skin where it probably shouldn't. I was like, dude, why do you care what this this bum's saying about you? But, you know, everybody's different. So it's interesting. And I think that's something that we should keep an eye on going forward because They're just – this is just reality. There are some players who let the outside noise affect them to the point where it hurts them on the court. And I just wonder if he's one of those guys.
0: He's clearly thin-skinned. I think that you can just see it in his emotion. Mm -hmm. His body language isn't right right now. But he's he's young. All these dudes are young. And all of this stuff just comes in time. It just says you all – it's not about being a basketball player. It's just being a human being. We all grow, right? We all we're not the same people we were last year, let alone two years ago, let alone ten years ago. And when you're talking about being a teenager and growing up in the NBA and growing up in front of everybody and the high level of criticism that's that is the NBA. It's not easy. I'm professional not, sports. I'm not. It's sit, a fishbowl, man.
1: Right. I'm not sitting here from my soapbox saying like, "Oh, he's soft. He can." No, it is not easy. I am on. You know a tenth, probably even more than that, of the amount of platform. of I'm not nearly on as big of a stage as James Wiseman. That's what I'm trying to say. And I can barely re- send out a tweet or a report without having at least one troll under, under one of those tweets. If I break something or I report something and it gets more than 200, 300 retweets, so... I can imagine how it is for a pro athlete. His mentions are probably a cesspool. That is not easy to deal with, especially, as you said, for kids so young. You know, so it's not me criticizing him, but it's just the reality of the situation that affects some people more than others. And I think that might be a reason for some of his lack of development because he is so impressionable.
0: Yeah, and that just has to come from within. Yeah. I think that that's just, you know, that's just growing up. And at some point, you know, he'll realize that that's, he'll, it'll take its proper place in his life. Right now, it's probably dominating too much of, of his everyday life. And just get off of social media, man. There's nothing good that comes from that crap. If I was James Wiseman's old man, if I had his ear, I'd say, dude, just give me your phone. Yeah, delete I'm gonna, it. I'm going to throw it in this. This Pepsi can. I, I,
1: I'll had mute most of my tweets now.
0: It's just not even good for your mental. No. To, to see all that crap. It's like, Jesus. I imagine if you're James Weiss. And here's the other thing with him. We have to remember that the last time he was on the floor, just before he went down with a meniscus tear, it was so untimely because it just looked as though it was beginning to make sense. Click there. a little bit. Right? That. Right? Yeah. Those last couple of games, that last confident week, too. And you could just see it. Which was why that setback was so significant, not only to the Warriors but sp- specifically him. And that year, he would have had an opportunity to play because they, they didn't go to the playoffs that year. That was the Kelly Oubre. That was the big experiment, and they were missing Klay Thompson, and they were relegated essentially to a you know not going to the playoffs. And he would have had an opportunity to, to make his mistakes, just to get on the floor, and as I said, get some run. That's what he needs. He needs to play basketball. Forget about what specifically he needs to work on. He needs to work on everything. He just needs to play. It'll all come through reps. And that was his opportunity, was his rookie year was to play and get minutes. Now, when you're talking about a team that it's NBA championship or bust, run it back, back back-to-back titles, your minutes are going to be much more scrutinized. When you come on the floor, you're going to expect it to be giving me plus minutes. And if not, then there might be the quote-unquote you know, a quicker hook for you as opposed to, you know, a couple of years ago when you were playing for a team that wasn't going to the playoffs. And that could sort of deter his development as well,
1: I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, it's interesting because you had Jordan Poole. Obviously, he wasn't drafted as high as James Wiseman. So it's a different level of scrutiny. But you had people questioning if Jordan Poole was even an NBA player, myself included. I'm not gonna run from it. I'm not going to act like I saw this. I was questioning if James if James, if Jordan Poole was an NBA guy after that first year, um, just wasn't sure it shows. And look, I'm no pro NBA scout, but I would like to say I'm right a little more than I'm wrong. When I project these guys and I watch, I come from a basketball family. My uncle was my coach. My whole life runs AAU program. So I like to say, I have been around the game for a long, long time. Uh, but I'm happy to say I was super wrong on Jordan Poole. I want to be wrong on James Wiseman because I've never had him projected or I've never thought as highly as him. What as is the it consensus. that you didn't like about him? I just didn't. You mentioned the physical aggression that should be natural for someone who is just so physically gifted. I don't see it there. Um, it looks like, and I hate to I hate to put this on a kid, it looks like he he plays basketball because he's big, tall, and just naturally good at it. But when you get to the NBA, you got to you got to love it to really excel. Like you can tell you can tell guys who just play basketball because it can earn them some money. And he he looks like that type of guy, not the guy who's like just a gym rat. I love this game. I'm going to I'm going to take this. Uh, and then, like I said, somebody just uh, he's very he's extremely impressionable. And, uh, you know, for someone who has had so much bad luck. Early in his career, that has created a kind of a, a media firestorm around him. Like Twitter can be brutal when you bring up James Wiseman. He does have a lot of people defending him, but he has a, you always you always hear the haters louder than the guys singing praise. And uh, I don't know. I I hope I'm wrong because he's a great kid. Uh, but and like I said, I've been wrong before. I was wrong about Jordan Poole. Granted, Jordan Poole was. He was drafted in a spot where if he didn't make it, did it didn't matter that much? Like, you know, nobody's going to. Draymond said it. Draymond said it best. He's like, if Jordan Bull doesn't make it, nobody's really going to care. You know what I mean? Like, Bob Myers, Joe Lacob, they'll cut their losses. All right, we drafted you at this spot. It didn't work out. We wish it did. Whatever. We can move on. It's not that easy when you do it to the number one, number two overall pick. You know, that. That's You You really got to hit on those picks. And if you're not, you get a lot of criticism. And uh, especially, you know, who was picked right after him, uh, LaMelo Ball. So that's always going to follow him around. Granted, if the Warriors draft LaMelo Ball, do we even see this version of Jordan Poole? Probably not. So, you know, you got to look at it from that perspective, too. But it'll be interesting. Luckily for Wiseman, the Warriors do not need him to be a world beater. So there's not some pressure on him where, like, I need to do this, that, and the third. Like, the Warriors just won a championship without him playing a single minute. They will be okay whether he is good or bad next year, especially with kavan Looney coming back. So there's not going to be this pressure on him to succeed immediately, and I think that'll be good for him.
0: Yeah, well, there's not the immediate pressure for him to play, but he, I do think that they're, they're factoring in that he'll have a significant role how significant, I'm not sure. But I think that in the perfect world, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, they would, yeah, they want a title without a big, but they don't want to go through that again. Mm-mm. They don't want to go through that. That was double downing on, you know, on, on going small and Draymond and Kavon, that was risky. Yeah. We could have ended at Memphis, be quite frank with you. I mean, Kavon came up with the twenty two boards in game six. He played Kavon
1: kind of played. Remember how I said most of those players on the Giants last year were like out of their mind for most of the season, and they came back down to earth this year. Kavon was out of his mind this year, especially that postseason run. He led, he led the entire postseason in offensive rebounds. Yeah, he was a monster. No, he was huge. And you, you know, who was an underrated piece? Uh, everyone talks about GP two because he was great and is warranted. Otto Porter did a lot of dirty work. Otto Porter was essentially playing a big man the the entire playoff run. He had his chin in everything. He was getting tough rebounds. He gets big boy rebounds. Yeah, he gets big boy rebounds where he's just stronger than you, and he's going to get that ball. Uh, I think the Warriors need to bring in another guy like Otto Porter. I think it would be great if the Warriors tried to bring in Markeith Morris. Um, Similar stature, can stretch it and shoot. He's going to get those big boy rebounds. Uh, I think he would bring a, a toughness and aggression to the Warriors that they might not have had over the past couple of years. The Warriors, they've been great, obviously, at winning all these championship teams, but they've kind of been a nice team. Draymond is the only guy, even though we've heard stories about Clay, who's like is just a cutthroat dog too. But my point is, I think that could be a nice touch of Markeith Morris because you know he likes to muck it up. He gets in people's faces. Some people, it's off-putting to them. But you know, I think, you know, we—I don't know how Steve Kerr would love that. Steve Kerr kind of likes a certain type of player. Uh, but I think Marquise Morris would be an amazing acquisition. Where are
0: you at with Carmelo Anthony? If he's available,
1: yeah, he doesn't do what Steve Kerr likes to do. Steve Kerr likes ball movement, motion, <laughs> offense, and uh, he can stretch and he can guys shoot. and guys who can defend. I love Melo. I'm a a Q's guy. He just said five things he's never done his entire life. Yeah, Melo's, the ball sticks when he gets it. And he's great at what he does. He's made a Hall of Fame career out of it. I just don't think he would be a great fit. Just like Kelly Oubre wasn't a great fit, I think Carmelo Anthony wouldn't be a great fit in Golden State.
0: Because the later version of Carmelo, albeit all those things still apply, but he's this isn't the Denver Nugget, New York Nick Carmelo now. No. In Portland, he was. I thought he played a perfect role. He did, he did. But, but this is different. I get up with the worst So the other guy line, I saw in Vegas, he was sitting sitting Gucci row at, at UNLV, uh, a couple couple seats next to me. I was that my buddy? Is uh, well, my realtor in New York is his realtor and just sold him Mariano Rivera. Oh, house. you hear that flex? There you go. You got the same realtor yeah. as Melo. No, no humble brag either. Ain't nothing humble about it. <laughs> So uh, yeah, you know, he sold a Mariano Rivera's house. Wow! And Mario so he goes down into the, uh, down into the the wine cellar, this custom made wine cellar. It's the perfect degrees. It's like you know, it's like fifty yards long, and it's all empty. There's nothing there. And Mariano Rivera apparently doesn't drink, so it was, uh, you know, here's Carmelo saying, "Oh man, this is perfect," but you. This is just a waste of space, man. Yeah, I guess Mariano Rivera is a preacher. I don't know why I'm going down this rabbit hole. But Guy Santos, there we go. Thank you, Guy. Get me back on track. He looked good. Yeah, what do you think of the the Brazilian blur? I don't think he's going to play. He's either going to
1: be with the Santa Cruz Warriors this year or probably go back overseas. But he was a pleasant surprise. He was. I was really upset that what's-his-name had the stress fracture in his foot, and we couldn't see him. That second, Ryan Rollins. Yeah, Rollins, that second-round pick. I was really impressed with his tape that I saw, and I liked what I heard from him. I was at his introductory press conference. I got to have a nice conversation with him, and uh, he just seems like he has it between the ears. Uh, perfect mentality for the Bay Area, kind of chip-on-his-shoulder kid from Detroit. Um, actually, I'm not sure he's from Detroit. I know he's from Michigan. Um I don't think he's from Detroit, uh, but he's definitely from Michigan. And uh, just smooth, you know, he, shoot, he reminds me a little of Sean Livingston. And uh, I'm really excited to see how his game matures, so I can't wait to see him get healthy. Uh, PBJ's wild card. You know, He's kid was the number two ranked prospect going into his freshman year of college. Uh, didn't live up to that ranking, but the talent is there. You know, sometimes these kids that one day go, and now he went and played for his father. So, obviously, he had that, and that was probably the main reason He's he Got his did dad it. canned. <laughs> but, like, sometimes it's actually not a good thing when these kids go to the smaller schools to be the big fish. Because now you're playing against defenses that are just zoned in on stopping you. Whereas, if you went to Duke, like you had that Duke offer, you would probably get a lot of more open looks at Duke than you did at, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, you know, we'll we'll see how he looks in a pro setting. A more space for Kid can shoot it. He's the son of a coach, so you know he's going to have the fundamentals down. I'm excited. I, I think the Warriors did really well this offseason in terms of the draft. Uh, I hate that I hate that Otto and GP2 couldn't be retained. I think they're gonna bring in one more guy. I think Andre Godale is going to end up retiring. Sean Sean Livingston kind of spilled the beans to me on live on Crime 4 at the parade. He said, Sean Livingston said, and I know we're up against it at a break and we can get to it on the other end, but he said, uh, it was a really nice run for him to end it this way. Something along those awesome. lines. It's still on my Instagram now. And I was, it, was, it was interesting to me. I was like, oh, that sounds like a guy who's going to retire. So hmm. I'm thinking the Warriors will have two more guys they'll bring in because they're saving a spot for Andre. I don't think he's going to be back.
0: We continue. Mark Delucci, it's going to talk San Francisco Giant baseball, the Giants with that huge walk-off win last night. D'Lucci to talk about it with my man, Jason Dumas, and Dan Avona, 95-7 the game.